Welcome to the One Speed MMA Podcast. This is yours truly, Flying Smitty. Carson Wood. And? Ray Sawyer. Ray Sawyer. Thank you for coming on the cast, man. Thanks for having me. We're, we're excited to have you. So explain a little bit about who you are, and you've got some really cool stuff coming up. Let's just get into that to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think nobody is probably the best place to start. I, <laughs> you're, you're less of a nobody than us, I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm, a, I guess, a rookie of the sport. I started at the uh, ripe young age of 30, getting into mixed martial arts, So, uh, but kind of just kind of kept walking into good things. So, Did you wrestle? did wrestle wrestled in high school so that was kind of why i got the motivated or the bug caught the bug early like 22 mm-hmm. but got married made babies and got distracted mm-hmm. so didn't start fighting until until 30s it happens it happens so is your wife pretty supportive then oh yeah yeah now that the kids are in school and we got time to play we we do um and on the so you said you started when you were like 22 did did you kind of do the transition just i, I see you like i don't know why but like a striker because you're doing boxing now, right? Like, that's been your last two two fights that you've had, right? Right. Well, I I would like to be known as a striker. Like, it's fun. I I, knock, I've had, I got one knockout on my record. My first, my pro debut as MMA had a knockout. Mm-hmm. And there's probably no cooler feeling than taking away somebody's consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's pretty freaking rad. Um, but, no. Started off wrestling. And then, I mean, I really l- fell in love with... MMA, watching Ultimate Fighter 2 with Rashad Evans, right? I think mm-hmm. that was 2. We don't fact check anybody, but that was 2. You're 100% correct. And so, uh, he was heavyweight that one, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So I was like, man, this is a sport. This is a thing. I, so, I totally want to do this. Um, but really never took the opportunity to actually compete for another 10 years or so, right? But I would go to, you know, elite performance and, and pick up summer classes with those guys and just picked up on the grappling and then really didn't start boxing until I met Tim Carroll, my boxing coach at Factum. And he made it fun. And so I just started rolling with it. That's awesome. Did you like elite? Yeah. Just cause my, my family trains in one hit. And so I know elite and one hit are like polar opposites when sure. it comes to the training. I mean, they always respected each other, but it seems like they were always fighting each other. Like, Demarcus Johnson and uh, what was the other? The real Slim Shady, whatever his name was, the tall, bald dude that Jordan fought way back in the day. Mm. And that's when they just stood in the center of the ring and just hit each other until somebody went down. One of the craziest fights I've ever seen. And um, so I've always not disliked Elite because, I, I mean, growing up with the sport and watching Jeremy Horn. Like carried a bias. Yeah, there's always been like, oh, they're the ones that always have to fight one hit. And, they, you know, they're always the ones. They're from down there, and they think they're better than everyone else. So <laughs> I wonder, like, coming in and, wow. and actually starting to train there. Well, I don't know. I have never been to a MMA gym or boxing gym and left feeling like, man, those guys were complete jerks. Like, every place I've ever been has been great. But I totally get the biases that you build, right? You're, the competition that kind of feeds into that thing. Um, but, yeah, no, I loved training with Horn. Um, but, I mean, I, I liked Factum more and stayed at Factum more. I just connected with Eric and Tim there better. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're going to go spend and be miserable training with someone, you want to be with somebody you like. Yeah. One, I feel like even with one hit and stuff, I knew a lot of the guys that were training there, so it was a little bit different. So I didn't – I we I feel like didn't have to go through that weird process of like let's beat this guy up and see if he really wants to come back here or not. It was kind of like they walked in like oh you know your family of the people to train here. You That's know how the I felt trainers. Absolute. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. First Wednesday was like was sparring day and 
Yeah, I got hit hard in the gut. They definitely wanted to make sure that you really wanted to come back. Yep. Ken Shamrock was like that, right? Ken Shamrock's Lion Club back in the day. I can't remember what he called it, but they would beat the, the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah and I, I feel like that was a little different because they were really elite. I was just getting beat up by like 18-year-old kids yeah. who were just starting <laughs> yeah. to try it out. It's like, They're like, cool, I'm better than you. Yeah, like Olympic wrestlers yeah. coming in. I was like, no, nah, it's just this 18-year-old that's just way quicker than me, just punching me and kicking me in the stomach a lot. Yeah, I might not be better than those guys, but it's your first day, so <laughs> I'm going to take all my angst out on you. Well, and I feel like that's that's not one gym. Like As far as I've heard, like almost every gym you walk into, there's always this like, prove you want to be here type thing. And so going to one hit where it was – I, I had gone to high school with a lot of the kids. I already knew who the trainers were. I felt like we didn't get that. It was just kind of like, okay, we'll baby you because we feel like we kind of have to. And so I, I wondered with everything else. But anytime I talked with anybody at Elite, and Elite's really close to my house now, it's always been really nice and really respectful until they come to like fight, you know, fight week. And then it's like, oh, I don't know who this kid thinks he is. And he's going down Game and there's this and this. And yeah. yeah. People in their bravado, it's pretty interesting the fight game to see how people react in the back that's one of the things because i was a fan first right mm-hmm. and then you get in the back with all these guys and you see their nerves and their mm-hmm. and how everybody handles that fight pressure you kind of see different sides of different people and, it's fun. and, the, and that mental game yeah. the people that have to hate the person that they're fighting and the people that just don't care and they're going to go out there and fight anyway and yeah no it's this the psychology of fighting is definitely an, an interesting thing and the and the pump up and the adrenaline dump and I've never fought MMA, but all of those things that they talk about, like, yeah, I never fought like, MMA, but you trained UFC. I did train UFC, <laughs> T R A N E. Um, one thing, so we actually talked about it yesterday. We did a shout out to you just because we heard you were going to MSG, and so that was that's the big news, right? Like, is that is that any different for you? Or are you just excited to go out there on somebody else's dime and and just get to go into that arena? So before that, I actually. I kind of want to go back to the very, very beginning of like, how do you get, you know, do they contact the gym? Do you have a manager? Um, who, what promotion, like all of that good stuff. Cause it's the Kodo card, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a huge card. Huge card. Yeah. And so that's, that's really awesome. But how did you even get lined up? Like start at the very beginning of everything. Well, it shouldn't have happened. Right. I only did amateur boxing to train for MMA. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm a guy that believes that the more hours you can get in doing what you want to do, the better you're going to be at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So just that one, what is it? 10,000 hours thing or whatever. Yeah. And so I was like, I'd take any opportunity to compete or train. So I was like, Hey, let's do amateur boxing. And that's, I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then I get there and I, it's like, I feel like I'm fighting eight, 16, 17 year old kids. Like, I'm 30. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really feel like the vibe I want to do. Um, but hey, it was ring time, so let's do it. Um, so that's kind of why I started boxing, is just to get the experience. But as soon as I went pro in MMA, they make you go pro in boxing. So it's not like you can choose. The, I didn't commission, know that. the commission's like, hey, no, if you're a pro here, you're a pro there. And vice versa, right? So a pro boxer can't go take an amateur fight in Utah. Um, so hmm. so then I got you know my first boxing card. And it was kind of fun. So you went pro in MMA first, and that just made you go in pro into boxing? Yep. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so my, my first pro boxing match was in Wendover. We did it in the parking lot at, <laughs> at uh, the Golden Nugget. Like <laughs> Flash, Flash does those cards out there. They're fun to go to. And it was, you know, it's like I'm the kind of guy that never says no to a fight because fighting's fun. Mm-hmm. And I saw that with the San Antonio pay, one, <laughs> where it was like, eh, they're changing on me three times, but uh, yeah, I'm still going. Uh, they haven't said no yet, so it's tomorrow. We'll see what happens. They'll find somebody. Really? Yeah, because yeah, my, my drive to fight does not come from this place where I need to, you know, prove that I'm 
worth something as a human being, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, yeah. There's some people that fight with that much passion. I don't. Um, but I do <laughs> I do believe, like, I've watched enough Rocky movies to know that, man, this is going to be a great experience <laughs> to go. And my wife trains Ironman, so she has friends that are, you know, pro athletes in a way that's, like, kind of humanizes it a little bit. So the it was just more about an experience for me. Like, hey, what? let's let's put some things on the bucket list and see what we can get scratched off. Let's just hope you don't fight a Russian then. <laughs> it never really worked out well for the people in Rocky. <laughs> Rocky beat one. In the second one, but he fourth. killed Apollo. Yeah. Well, he killed No, Apollo. the fourth was Tommy Gunn. No, the fourth? Yeah, no. this is a good debate, but I'm going to have to go with the fourth was... The Russian. That was number yeah. wait, that was wait. fourth. The first one was the draw with That's... Apollo. The second one was the win with Apollo. The third one was the... Mr. T. No? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Mr. then the fourth, fourth was... The fourth one's the Russian, and then there's... The oh, and then it's, so it's Rocky And the fourth five. one, they had that stupid robot. I know because I haven't seen anything in between Rocky one Forest and four. Russian. I am wrong. No. I am wrong. Good thing... This, this, you're this is why you don't fact check. Yeah, this is yeah. This is why we need one, this is why we need a third person here to like so we can just be like, okay, what, each of you pick a side, and then someone's gonna be here to actually look it up and, and correct you guys. That's why we need. That's why we need a third. Um, so yeah, we were ahead. we were talking. So you kind of fell backwards into pro boxing mm-hmm. because they make you when you go pro MMA, which no. is news to me. Had no idea about that. Right. And is that just in Utah? or Is that everywhere? I, I, I I'm just gonna speak to Utah. I'm assuming it's everywhere, but from what my experiences is utah so that's what we're gonna go with there it's okay. it's kind of interesting because i remember back when jordan first started when they fought down in like the basement of like the hotel and elevate so like the local clubs mm-hmm. those guys even if they picked you out of the crowd it wasn't amateur mma so even if you had never trained or even if you like had trained a couple times as soon as you walked in you are now a pro mma fighter so i imagine those guys like not knowing and being like, well, great. Now I can't, like, you know, I'm not JD Jorgensen. I can't go get a couple, you know, amateur fights. I now am a professional fighter. So even if I train for the next six years, you know, my first every fight that I get in from here on out will be at a pro level. So just to sidetrack a little bit. Um, with that being said, so everybody's saying, you know, boxing, the boxers are going to start coming over to MMA. Does that kind of go against what you just said? Go against that because why would an amateur boxer if they if they're trying to go pro and then they went to MMA and they were made pro, why would they then that would automatically make them a professional boxer. Right. So they couldn't like pad their records or anything. Like, I feel like maybe we, the sports will be divided in that sense. Maybe not. I have no idea, but have baked idea that I came up with right now. Well, I think you're right because a lot of the, the MMA world and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like a lot of the MMA world starts with some kind of wrestling or BJJ background and boxing. You don't. So to me, it would be much easier for a pro MMA fighter to go to boxing and try and adjust their boxing than a pro boxer to come to MMA and try and figure out how not to get taken down. Mm-hmm. But um, you're the one that's done both. I think you're gonna. It's gonna be. You'll find more MMA guys excited to jump over than you will see boxing guys excited mm-hmm. excited to jump over. That Dana White's not saying no to boxers, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, let's do it. I guarantee you he'll take anybody that will come over, but most boxers. there's It's a different mentality in pro boxing than pro MMA. Mm-hmm. For example, these two fights that I last had are against two guys that should not have been set up, right? Like, I just fought a bronze medalist in in, in the Olympics, mm-hmm. right? And I'm 0-3 at the time. Like, well, it was a setup yeah. fight. Yeah, it turned out that way, and I lost, right? <laughs> I was brought in to lose. Yeah, I did my job. Yeah. But, no, like, I went in there to win. 
But and they knew I was going to come in there to win. But I am not. I I was brought in there to lose, right? Mm-hmm. I just call it what it is. And that's the way pro boxing works: is they want to build a record, they want to get like Mayweather and have fifty undefeated fights. That's that's the mentality that I've seen so much in pro boxing and not as much in MMA. I mean, MMA guys love their record too, but maybe they're just less patient. I don't know. Or more, but pro boxers. I feel like there's just too many ways to lose in MMA. Yeah. If you actually put together a good undefeated record like John Jones, it's it's something special because like there's too many ways to lose. Like you, anything yep. can happen. A flash knockout, weird submission from just rolling. I don't know. It's weird. It, no, and it's interesting that you say that because I watched Counterpunch on on uh, Netflix, and we discussed this probably three or four podcasts ago, where they do send people in, and th- it's an interesting mentality because you're like, I know exactly why I'm going in. I'm going to go in because I like to fight and I like to box and and all of those things. So when you get into the the actual financial monetary payments, is it much higher in boxing than it is in MMA? Um, yeah, at my level. It depends, to be honest. Like, my local f- boxing matches, I make less money. Um, not, I mean, but I'm not a guy really negotiating to have the best yeah. purse, per se, right? Um, and really, on a local level, what, the way you make your money is by your fans buying your tickets, is how pro MMA guys make mm-hmm. it. So if you're a pro MMA fan and you want to watch more fights, buy more tickets, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how you support your fighter. Um there's not a lot of money coming from local promotions. They don't really have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting because they don't spend a lot of money on advertising or promoting, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of unique, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Still Face doesn't do almost any promoting. It, but they're the coolest guys. Like, mm-hmm. I love those guys. But they, they actually pay you guys. <laughs> where the other promotions are like, uh, yeah, we didn't make any money, so no one's getting paid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I'm a little biased. I've fought for Fierce. I've fought for Jeremy Horn, and i fought for um, Still Fist. Those are my three pro fights. All three experiences were great. Don't have any beef with any of them. Mm-hmm. I love them all. Um, but the, what I like about Still Fist is they're, they're consistent, right? Yep. Like I could fight for them every month, every other month, each each night of the year. As, you know, as long as I kept selling tickets. <laughs> they keep having me back, right? So pay-wise, they paid me pretty good as far as what I'm used to as a local fighter to go out to San Antonio and to fight the yeah. bronze medals. Like they, they threw, you know, three grand at me, which – for me, fighting is a lot of money um, yeah. compared to the 400 bucks I get to fight locally. So um, if you care about the money, that's that's kind of like I'll go for it. But um, for me, it's I, I lose money fighting a lot of time. Right? I have to take time off training work. Camps and training camps. Like it's, it's a hobby. That was my favorite thing when you told them in training. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to leave early Friday. <laughs> what? Why? I got to fight in San Antonio. <laughs> Why didn't you tell us? I just found out. <laughs> Seriously, signed the contract this morning, flying out here. <laughs> well, and it was so going back to the only thing that I know, which is Jordan. Um, talking to Jordan about it, he's like, "I'll take boxing matches all day." He's like, "I, you make a lot more money. Don't have to cut as much weight. You don't have to cut as much weight. It's not as physically like damaging to your entire body. Maybe your brain still, but like your joints and your your muscles and everything aren't nearly as achy afterwards after a boxing match." So he says, but he's like. It's it's easy for me to step in, take a boxing paycheck, and I can do that, you know, every two to three months boxing. Whereas MMA, I might, you know, if I get starched, I'm out for six months. Yeah. Whereas boxing, I can get right back in. Now he's out right now getting his brain checked. Did he actually do that? 
I don't think so. He's still freaked out by it, I think, because I think he's going to find that he's got something. But he's he's looking to, to get in with somebody. I think he was going to go out to Vegas last I heard and get it all checked out. I feel we were talking about it. I was like, hey, we probably shouldn't talk about that, but he, he told us yeah, on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, it's all on the podcast <laughs> like, with him. Yeah, he was he's like, like, yeah. yeah and he, like, he was like, hey, man, Crystal, they were like, yeah, we got to get in there, but yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to find out if something's wrong. And then speaking of CTE, did you see Aaron Hernandez? He had the worst case of CTE for someone his age that's ever been found. Hmm. I didn't hear that, no. Yeah, so I they posted on it, I think on like ESPN or Bleacher Report or something like that. So after he commits suicide, they looked at his brain, and they were like, he has one of the worst cases of CTE for anyone that wow. we've seen at his age. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily believe that CTE is what's causing him to go out and shoot people and like... Yeah, he, do crazy, crazy things, but it can definitely affect your your personality. From anything sure. that I heard, yeah, he uh, he definitely was a problem before yeah. getting into college or or uh, professional football. But um, and so, just in leading up to like these fights, do you actually have like management or like how do they contact yeah, you? Do they call your gym? Yeah. Or? No, uh, well, the kind of the way it went down is my coach was scheduled to fight um, Ishmael, the guy from the bronze medalist right Mm -hmm. and that fight fell through they took a different opponent and so then um they called him back to take this fight on short notice because his opponent dropped out and my coach was like i'm not trained i'm not ready but i have this this other guy and they're like okay we need an opponent so we'll take him (laughs) it's on three it doesn't look great but hey let's do it this was san antonio this is san antonio so when i was out there i mean i got to meet a lot of people i shook freddie roach's hand and like it was just like oh my gosh this is so cool and you know i must have shook the the right people's hands because they different promotion but they want to bring me back one more time so no that's awesome well i mean as as you meet more people and they need training partners and stuff they're going to remember who you are and be like hey come out to the training camp for a little while yeah um so how old are your kids my oldest, she's 12, almost 13, actually. She'll be 13 on the day I fight in Madison Square Garden. Really? Oh, for a birthday. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. So are they old enough to, to watch, you, watch your fight cards? Do you let them? Or? Well, I my son, he's 10, right? And he, I brought him to a couple fights. And then my youngest is 8. I haven't taken him to any. My son, like, I took him to my last pro, well, I guess it wasn't my last, but one of my pro boxing matches, which I thought I won. <laughs> And he thought I won, but the ref didn't, or the judges didn't. So it was pretty funny at the end. Uh, they're like, oh, so what do you think? And I, I actually started complaining. I was like, I actually, yeah, I think I got robbed. And it was pretty funny because I've never been a poor loser on the mic <laughs> So my kid's like crying on the sides, like sad that dad lost. I'm like, I, I freaking won. My kid's over here. Give me a break. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was funny. That, no, that's that's awesome. I could only imagine losing a, a close decision, especially if it's. It wasn't even close. No, wasn't it? I don't. I don't feel like it was. We got hey, we'll to go watch it. I've got my ass kicked before. I know what that feels like. <laughs> That's not what it feels like. <laughs> so, this IL one, that was one of them, right? Yeah. That, I will confirm I got my ass kicked. <laughs> so, uh, what day is it exactly that you're going out there? Uh, so, they fly us out on Thanksgiving. So, we'll fly out there. Do you wait. get to like do Thanksgiving with your family or are you cutting weight? What, um, I'll have to cut a little bit. It'll mostly just be a water cut day of. So what do you fight at? One forty five, I know for MMA, right? Right. So, and I walk around at one sixty five, so that that takes a little bit of time and effort. Um, this boxing match is at one fifty six. Mm-hmm. So what was the San Antonio one at? That was one sixty. So that one, I was like, we weighed in at. No, I'm sorry, I weighed in at one sixty two, and I think it was 
a 171, but it he, didn't really matter. It was, it was 171. Yeah, but he's not that big, so it, it he he's I can't remember the official weight, but my weight was 162, and it didn't didn't matter because it was a catch weight. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, hey, it's short notice, blah blah blah, right? So, um, yeah, 145 is painful, so I, I can't do that in 24 hours. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, 24 hours. Yeah, that's a little bit of that's unhealthy to lose that much in, in 24 hours. Yeah, two weeks. And that's that's kind of this because most of my fights have been short notice because my life's chaos. I got a full time job, I got the kids. And so. So say, hey, who's available? Hey, and they say, yeah. Like, Man, I got a day. Let's do it. So. <laughs> I got a day. But is it day trade? Can you fly me in in the morning and out at night? You, you sound like the uh, the creators I work with. Can you have me in in the morning and then out that night? Perfect. I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be I'll be in fighting shape. But I mean, that's so. Uh, how many guys like there are you in boxing that they're just like, hey, this guy? It's short notice. We need somebody. Call him up. He's always you know he's down to fight at any at any given moment. I don't know. I like to think I'm unique that way. Um, there's. There's plenty of guys out there that'll fight for money, right? I don't want to pretend like I'm the only guy that does that, but I feel kind of like pretty cool to step in the ring with an Olympian on a serious like 48 hour notice. You know that yeah. felt pretty, I, even though I got my my ass handed to me pretty good. But I was willing to go in and try, and so I felt like that was pretty cool. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you did it. I mean, that's most people wouldn't do that, and I salute you for that. Being like, you know what? They literally are bringing me in. Because I think I'm going to lose, and I have a puncher's chance, and I believe in myself enough to go out and and put it out there. Well, Why not? I have nothing to lose. That's also, I mean, that's essentially. I mean, I love the community, but that's kind of MMA in general. It's like if I do it, and then it, like if if you actually get that call, it's like wow, I got stuff coming up. Like you know, man, you did it multiple <laughs> mm-hmm. times. <laughs> yeah, which is which is super fun. But I mean, there's guys that have better records than me in Utah, right? That would would have been a better fit for this fight, but it's. It carries too much risk for them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so my position in the sport where it's like I, I'm here to have a good time and put on a good show gives me the opportunity to be like, yeah, my record's not my number one thing, right? But there are some people that like have a mission and have a plan mm-hmm. where, hey, once I get to 10 undefeated fights, my value as a fighter goes way yeah. up, right? Because um, when you're a, uh, you know, a, a, uh, I guess casual fan, seeing a guy with a 10-0 and record – makes you something right versus a guy who's like oh and one right that that guy's not as good just reading what's on paper mm-hmm. and i get that when i when i go to make a bet on a fight i look at records and whatnot so i get the thought process but at the same time it's like who are they really fought go back look at mayweather's first 10 pro fights and tell me if you know who those guys are mm-hmm. or if any of them fight anymore yeah. Yeah. You know, which i mean he's arguably the greatest fighter of all time so yeah no they uh that's the whole thing of counterpunch. They're like, yeah, they give these guys 25 tin cans to go through just so they can be 25 and 0. So Golden Boy and, and Money Team even look at them. And then they're still kind of fed people until they get to a belt. And then that's when they finally get their first fights. And, I mean, if you lose two two belt fights, two championship fights, you may never actually, you know, box at that level again unless they need a last-minute, you know, replacement. Yep. So boxing, boxing is something that I don't necessarily understand. Another um, thing crazy about the Madison Square Garden fight is if I win this fight, it changes that guy's life path, mm-hmm. right? Like it, <laughs> That's nuts. I didn't even think about like that. It, like it changes. If I would have won that Olympic medalist fight, granted, I had a maybe one in a million chance of winning that mm-hmm. fight. But if I would have won that fight, it changes that guy's life path, right? 
But and you showed up, man. And you were there. You did it. Like, but, and I feel good about this fight. He turns into Aaron Pico, like essentially. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's, it's funny because I mean they, they kind of have a goal and plan there. You know their coaches do, and so it's kind of fun to be that big of a spoiler, right? So, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, it's way exciting. So do you have to sign on for the promotion that you're actually fighting with, or do you still just represent the gym? So, like, so if you had to sign, do you have to sign on with like Golden Boy Productions or sign on with like? The, the actual promoter of the fight? Yeah, it depends on the contract, right? My contracts yeah. are pretty much we're probably going to use this guy one time. Yeah, probably yeah. Way. But, I mean, my coach and other guys, they sign, like, multiple fight contracts yeah. and they're committed to the promotion or why not? So those guys that sign on with one fight promotion, if another fight promotion came in, they couldn't sign with them, correct? Because they have exclusivity in their contract? Yeah. Yeah. I work a lot with contracts now. That's why I'm fascinated. I'm like, so, okay. And, and boxing is very different, right? Because you have like golden boy, you have money team, you have all of these different promotions and they very rarely cross paths because they want their guy to be the, the best of the best. So I figure, I didn't know if they signed you on, you know, right, right. As you came in with exclusivity with them or, you know, how that works. So that's, that's interesting. Um, Give any other questions, or you want to talk the the card? No, well, so the so, original question that I asked, asked oh yeah, um, and then I told you to back up and start talking promotions. Uh, kind of everything leading up to it, because like that's, I mean, Madison Square Garden's iconic, right? Yeah. And I feel like I would almost want to step in there with like no training either. And again, once that call comes, that's when you really find out. But <laughs> it's like, how does that change anything for you as far as like the fight goes? Do you really care that it's in Madison Square Garden as far as like day of the fight, or do you just? Where's your kind of head at going into this one? Oh, I definitely care that it's in that square garden, right? It changes yeah. changes the whole dynamic. I mean, I'm trying to think what it's like. Sex is good anywhere, right? <laughs> but there's some places that you have sex, and it's totally different experience, right? <laughs> so it's like it's one of these things. It's like place is definitely uh, something that matters, right? The, the Madison ex- Square Garden experience. boxing is sex on the beach, essentially. Right. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's fair. Without all the sand in your in your crevices. Don't put it back. We'll see how the fight goes. <laughs> <laughs> no win or lose, man. That's still Madison Square Garden. You're doing something that 90% of the 99% of the world has never done. So that's that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, so uh, I guess we can talk about the card now. I didn't really watch it. We watched some of the highlights just now because I didn't watch a ton of it. So but. I, I watched most of the Albini Arlovsky fight on my phone. I went and saw Thor, which was all right. It, I mean, it was, but it was fun. That's about it. That's that's all I want out of Marvel movies. Well, I don't need to fill. A, I'm gonna. We're gonna watch it Tuesday. They're literally watching Thor downstairs. Oh, have you not seen it yet? Uh-uh, oh, then I won't say anything. Sorry, I thought you'd already seen it. Nope. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean it's good enough. Um, I didn't watch the Marquardt fight. Does anyone know what the result of that was? I forgot that was even on this card. Pereira won, of course, because he was a, a strong favorite. Race made me decision. watch the uh, the Matt Brown. Oh, the TKO. That's actually what I wanted to discuss. So Guido looked really good against uh, Lozon. Sanciao obviously looked good. Arlovsky actually looked really good against Albini. And Albini's getting made fun of because of his shorts. He pulled them off. They yep. looked like a diaper. And yep. he looked like baby Huey in there. <laughs> and he looked good the first round. And this is where I made my mistake. I put a parlay and I included Albini. And then I bet on Arlovsky straight because I would have made more money just yeah. betting on Arlovsky. So I hedged it. But... um. I knew better than to, to – I mean, Arlovsky may have lost his last five in a row, but having an up-and-coming fighter fight someone that's that, like, long into the sport and that that good at what he does, and now he's training at Jackson Winklejohn and all of that, mm-hmm. 
it's very difficult for a brand new fighter or relatively new fighter to, to step up, even if he gets knocked out by the top five, to step up against someone like our like Arlovsky and have a fighter, you know, a really good chance. And everyone just figured out Beanie was going to knock him out in the first. And as soon as he didn't, he had to go three rounds with Arlovsky, who's just going to pick him apart. And who's who's got a gas tank for days if he doesn't get knocked out in the first round. Mm-hmm. And so he just fought his way through and ended up taking the decision, which is exactly what I, I thought until I saw Albini was a strong favorite. And I was like, maybe I'm an, I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And then I realized that I should have just bet on Arlovsky in my parlay. You know that the odds makers are idiots. You know me and the odds makers are idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You should have asked me who was going to win. And then you pick the other one. <laughs> would you have gone with Albini in that? You probably would have gone with Arlovsky. I don't even know who that guy is. I would have with Arlovsky. Yeah. And that's the th- and that's why no, I thought, actually, I right? never bet on Arlovsky. He ruined my parlay. That's with that Travis, Travis Brown. Brown fight. It's hard and, to bet on Arlovsky. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Heavyweights period, in yeah. my opinion. Well, yeah, no, uh, you just put money down first round, knock out, and walk away. Yeah, somebody, somebody's gonna knock him out. falling down, or it's gonna be a boring fight. I yeah, mean, I guess that's not fair. It were decision, right? <laughs> not, first round knockout or decision. Those are the two chances at, at at heavyweight. But no, Brown versus Brown versus Sanchez, man. That was they're talking they. The community is basically asking what was the better knockout, elbow knockout, Mike Perry's knockout, or Matt Brown's knockout? I mean... Do you remember the, the oh, Mike yeah. Perry oh, knockout? Yeah. That, was, that was like Edson Barbosa-esque, like when he hit Terry Edom and he just went just stiff and fell backwards. Um, as far as like what looks worse, I think the Matt Brown one looks worse just because of how... how uh, Diego fell down, <laughs> but for worse for the fighter. I feel like Sorry, that was I feel like the uh, the Ellenberger one was way worse because of how he hits his head on the back of the canvas. Those always look worse to me. Like when you slap your head, that the double bat, yeah, the whiplash kind of effect thing. Right? Yeah, it doesn't. It looks bad. Yeah, I mean, it was against Ellenberger, which is also a top level opponent at that weight. Well, wise ish top ten. Um, Diego Sanchez, Matt Brown, like that. Diego Sanchez isn't who he used to be, but at the same time, it's still super impressive to knock out someone like Diego Sanchez. I think he's been finished twice in his entire career or something like that. We were talking about this because um, I was like, we were talking about retirement, how Matt, Brown's, Matt Brown is planning for retirement. And I was like, yeah, he's not the one that should be planning for retirement. Diego Sanchez isn't. Diego Sanchez says he's coming back. Well, Ray said, I mean – when was the last time Diego Sanchez was an easy fight for somebody? Like you have to plan for him, like effectively, because he's 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 coming regardless. So he beat Marcin Held, who was supposed to come in and just run right through him. That was a decision. Joe Lozon knocked him out, which is Joe Lozon just got finished by Clay Guida on this card, and then Al Ayakinta knocked him out first round, and now Matt Brown finished him in the first round. So I mean, three out of four first round finishes, you got to start questioning, you know your your health, your long-term health when it comes to that. And I mean, he's always been kind of a weird dude as is. Uh, And so, yeah, three out of four knockouts might not help. And I mean, it's one of those things, right? Just like there's several fighters who are like, well, he's not getting knocked out. You know, he may, he may be 40 fights in, but he's never been knocked out. And now it's like, okay, Chuck Liddell is a perfect example of that. Like, oh, Chuck Liddell's never been finished. He may be in wars, but he's never been finished. And then Rashad Evans, um, and from then on out, he just started to get finished almost every time in the first round. Uh, and they were like, yeah, it's probably time for him to step away. And I think it's the same thing with Sanchez. I, I think he should have stepped away a long time ago. But at the same time, three out of four first round knockouts, it makes me worry about him just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, 
he kind of I don't think he's put a two fight win streak together in a long time. Um, but you kind of look at back at Sanchez's career, and it's like he he's been on a roller coaster, right? And he's just never been able to really put it together ever since the first time he left Jackson, right? When GSP came in and they started kind of working with him, he bailed and went to California. He's never been able to be consistent since then. And it makes you kind of wonder because you know that guy's not slacking. You know mm-hmm. Sanchez isn't not working hard. It makes you wonder what passed him up and what he missed. Because, I mean, maybe he's just not – I think the other 170 dudes and how athletic and big and mean those guys are. And Sanchez is more of like the little pit bull dog, right? Just the little tiny dog mm-hmm. that – I guess pit bull's not even the right phrase. But just the little dog that just yaps, <laughs> the right? The corgi, the yeah. chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, and he's in there with a bunch of pit bulls, right? So. He's essentially Izzy. Yeah, yeah, he was New Mexico, pitbull. born. Yeah, hanging out in the the res in New Mexico, just fighting for scraps. He's Izzy. That's my but, res- Izzy's my rescue dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's part yeah. pit. Yeah, that's part who knows what, but definitely pit. And she will go toe to toe with any dog, no matter how big it is. She is fearless. Mm. But she, uh, no, I mean, the weird part is, is he's a great striker, but he's also a black belt BJJ guy who's win like one world class. BJJ tournaments, and it's weird to me that he tr- that he stands and strikes with someone like. Well, he did try and take Matt Brown down, right? And Matt Brown didn't go down. Right. And then he pushed him. You know, he caught a kick, pushed him against the fence, and and used his range to take him out. And Sanchez looked very under undersized compared to Matt Brown, and so that does take a lot of it. He is old. It's going to be harder to you know to drop to, to the next you know ten fifteen pound weight class down, and so. I, I think it's that generation. You know, we talk about this all of the time, the new generation versus the old generation where these guys trained in one specific discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kenny Florians or BJJ, Josh Koscheck, all these guys from the Ultimate Fighter 1, the Mike Swicks, they all came from one specific type of background and then they had to learn the rest of them. And so the guys, you know, our kids' generation, so on and so forth, they come in just training mixed martial arts. Right. Wrestling, BJJ, MMA, striking, Muay Thai, all you know, all from the beginning. I don't really feel like he's fought anybody like that. Matt Brown's not really like. I mean, Matt Brown's still can't. No, Matt, Matt Brown's one of the best strikers in that division. If he doesn't get clipped first, Matt Brown is just a scary, scary guy. Well, I, th- I think what Sanchez brought to the table, especially at the beginning of his career, was his just his ability to overwhelm you, mm-hmm. right? And he would overwhelm with the pressure and wrestling and grappling and and just the scrambles, right? That's where, that's where he beat Caro, and that's where he beat Diaz, is he mm-hmm. beat him in the scrambles. And I don't know if it's because he's getting older or if he's put too many tools in his toolbox that the scramble doesn't happen and it's more about he's more technical now. Um, but that's the way he used to win. And you can't, you can't out-scramble Brown. Brown's too consistent. He's, he's too mm-hmm. methodic, methodical. Is that mm-hmm. right? And he's just going to – and he's got power, and he's a mean dude. So I mean – what you just said, you look at his record all the way back from 2010, decision, third round decision, third round decision, third round decision. There's about seven of them in a row. This dude beat Martin Katman in his heyday, who went on to have one of the best fights ever against Carlos Condit. Like, he was the best of the best. He lost to BJ Penn for the belt after going through Joe Stevenson, Clay Guida. Um, he lost to John Fitch way back in their day and, and Josh Koscheck back when there really wasn't. You kind of fought the same people over he got and over. Wrestled by those two guys. Those yep. guys were better wrestlers yep. and squashed his scramble. So, yeah, no, and then, I mean, and I, it kind of shows that Jake Ellenberger also a better wrestler beat him in round three. But everyone he he everyone he out wrestled and out kind of hustled. Takanori Gomi, 
He lost to Gilbert Melendez. I'm guessing Gilbert Melendez had good enough takedown defense to stay away from the scrambles. I feel um, like a lot of it is it's just interesting. Is most of those guys? I'm not most of them. Some of those guys aren't better wrestlers, and I'm like you said, he's kind of an undersized 170. And he's well, he, dro- he dropped down for a while. I know that's what, yeah, and then I think maybe that's the transition when he did kind of get almost too technical. But like at 170, though, I don't even think like Matt Brown's a better wrestler than him. Like he's he, a better striker, so he uses. I know. And, well, and and I guess I shouldn't have used him. I'm just saying like the the guys at 170. I don't necessarily think he's a great wrestler. Like, like I went back when when we got the fight pass when we started mining uh, Bitcoin <laughs> when we first for got that UFC, subscription yeah, for UFC fight pass. Um, <laughs> and I was watching because I'd never watched his Ultimate Fighter before, and just watching his wrestling like that, he smothered guys. And when he put it on, he put it on like they weren't getting. Out. And then he just got up with that big stupid face after he'd finished him or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like you're like, this guy's gonna go far, and he did. Like, he's had a great career so far, mm-hmm. but I almost feel like he should. I take it. I take that career. Oh yeah, one well, he's a must watch. Oh, yeah. You put Diego Sanchez on any card, and you're like, man, I feel bad for him. Whether win or lose, he's he's gonna take a beating. But holy hell, I'm gonna watch that fight. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that him versus Matt Brown was gonna be a barn burner. I I thought Matt Brown was gonna finish it just like he did, but I was still excited for the fight. Um, moving on from that one, because we, uh, I just barely watched the finish of the Poirier Pettis fight. Mm-hmm. What happened? I have no idea. Like, I couldn't tell what happened. It looked like a rib popped out of place. That's what I was thinking. And but so I, he, I think he verbally tapped. He might have actually tapped. I know that his rib... They he, said he tapped, but I yeah, didn't know what to I didn't. I didn't see a tap either. So when I was watching it, I was watching it on silent. It looked like... Obviously, Dustin Poirier had top position. He was dropping bows and, and punches on him. And then all of a sudden, the fight stopped. And Pettis reached directly for his rib. And they were like, oh, something happened to him. What happened? Something happened to him. Yep, he's injured. Like, that's kind of where it went. So that's that's all that I saw as well, but I know he was bleeding everywhere, and, and Poirier said he could feel him just give up, which is kind of what it looked like, but seeing that I've never been underneath someone that's just dropping bows on my face, I couldn't really tell you whether he gave up or not. Question for you, Race, because I asked Jordan this when he was on, and I was kind of surprised by it. Like, what are, like, after a fight, because he, I was... Chael Sonnen said that like the things that he hates most about MMA are just the little stupid injuries that you get, like the the mat burn and things like that. And then Jordan said his least favorite thing is he's got like arthritis in his hand just from holding it up. Mm-hmm. Is there anything for you that like just you can never get rid of that you just hate? Like, what's the worst kind of injury that you've had? Uh, I mean, I've jacked up my wrist quite a bit, so like I'll have weird arthritis stuff when I turn a doorknob, right? So like, mm. just like, ah, like I'd rather, I commonly say I'd rather get punched in the face than do this. Like getting punched in the face is something that you get, I don't want to say used to, but <laughs> is not the top of the thing that sucks. Knee, like joint injuries, when you bought a knee and then all of a sudden walking is a chore, that's the stuff that sucks. Having a headache's okay. Well, that's what I, well, and Forrest Griffin always mentioned, like everyone wants to see knockouts and powerful fights, but he's like, Try not being able to eat solid food for two weeks. Then then see whether or not you want to go in there and just stand toe-to-toe with somebody. Yeah. Um, and that's what I try to tell people. It's like, why would you ever – because, I mean, I trained a little bit, and I've gotten rocked a few times. But they're like, why would you – or football, too. They'd be like, why would you do that? Like, aren't you, like, nervous? Like, honestly, like, once you get hit and you realize that it's not that bad, you kind of get addicted to it a little bit. Not that you want it to happen, for me at least, but it's like I want to figure out how that's not going to happen. But there's, like, I get this weird addiction for it. That's why I want to go back and do it. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting knocked out is not so much so scary to me. But, like, those weird injuries that you know you're going to have forever, like the mm-hmm. joint stuff, that's really, like, 
what would get me super nervous. The stuff from wrestling, the stuff from jujitsu, and just having your work, joints worked. Yeah. And, uh, I just kind of mentioned my wife does Ironmans, right? And that is miserable to me. Mm-hmm. Like getting on a bike and riding for 100 miles, I would rather get punched in the face. <laughs> I don't, I'm not kidding about that. And that's more dangerous, too. I get in this argument all the time. I'm like, you're more likely to die riding your bike along the road than I am in, in a cage, right? Like, maybe I break my hand. Maybe I get, you know, knocked out. But you get hit by a car on a bike, that's way more dangerous, right? So, I, I mean, the level of risk is kind of subjective, right? Two people getting in there doing something, quote, unquote, violent um, makes people nervous, right? But the two guys in there for the most part, unless they're kind of an off kind of dude like a Diego Sanchez, they're not really in there to hurt each other. They're in there to compete. They're in there to do the Everest thing, right? We do this to challenge ourselves because it's there. And I think that's kind of more how most people look at it is it's a challenge. And getting hit in the face is part of the obstacle and what you're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's there's definitely nagging injuries that come along with So you hand. said it's mostly your wrist? My hands, my wrists, my knees, really any joint. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, that's what runners as well. Yeah. I mean, any runner, their knees are shot by the time. If you're a long distance runner, by 35, 40, your knees are basically shot because you've you've run through all your cartilage and your ligaments are all worn down. Mm. And it's supposed to be super healthy. But those guys that have run their entire lives, it's, it, it can do long-term damage, which is really crazy to think. I wonder if anybody's ever tested the Tara, Tara Umara and seen how their joints are. That'd be interesting. That's the uh, the Indian tribe in Mexico. They just run in the canyons run, right? and they yeah. run twenty five miles a day on average. Well, they but, also eat chia seeds, so they're fine. Flax seeds, perfect. Know. It's Are really good for your joints. joints. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Uh, vegetarians will take flax flax seeds instead of fish oil. I didn't know that. Here yeah. we go. Just learning stuff. Well, flax seed and chia seeds. Sorry, um, flax seeds and chia seeds are different, but. Sorry, I got a sidetrack. Because I mean, do we have anything to talk about on that card, or is it mostly Pettis and Poirier? The- man, I, I do want to talk about this. What? So we we discussed. I told you the Poirier was a top five fighter, and you told me that he was not. Yep. Did, did this change your mind that he's a top five fighter within that division? No. You don't think? No. <laughs> I'd have to disagree. I think he's top five. No, not, not I think fifty-five. He fights Alvarez or Gaethje next. He beats either of those guys. He's in uh, uh, title contention. But he beat he was beating Alvarez and the last one was a DQ. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's So yeah. he was he was beating Alvarez and then I think it was Poirier Poir, uh, hard P. Poirier went down and I believe Alvarez need him. And he said he couldn't continue and they called it a DQ. Hmm. And so there was a no sorry not a DQ a no contest. No he couldn't he couldn't continue. And so I actually had money on Alvarez in this fight. And Poirier came out and won, I think, the first round and a half. And then Alvarez started to come back. And then there was that weird flash knee on, of the downed opponent. And then they, they, they moved it to a no contest. And so everyone wanted to see them fight again. And then Geishi beat Michael Johnson. And then they were on tough. And now they're going to fight. But Poirier wants that next fight. And if someone backs out at, at that weight class, it would make sense for him to to jump in. Listen, everybody knows I'm the biggest... 155 fan there is like you could give me conor mcgregor from anybody from one to ten and i'm gonna watch it because i think anybody in the top 10 can beat anybody at any time Mm -hmm. so i mean saying that he's not a top five i think is really splitting hairs because who cares in that division but i don't think he's better than the top five i do because i want to be right and i want to make sure that you're wrong (laughs) that's fine i I mean we we discussed that he could beat kevin lee we discussed depending on how the fight went, he could beat Nate Diaz, but Nate Diaz could also just take him down and submit him. Depending, we didn't think he could beat Barbosa. We didn't think he could beat Khabib, 
and we don't think he could beat Ferguson. But on any given Sunday, he could beat both Gaethje and Alvarez, which he puts could beat him in McGregor. The top five. But he's lost to McGregor too already, right? Yeah, yeah, one forty-five. Yeah. Like he'd never beat McGregor. I don't know. McGregor beat him, right? You yeah, said yeah, he would yeah. never. He'd never. That's the, McGregor that's appointed. A fight he yeah. can't win. McGregor, not because of skill, but just because McGregor's in his head and he's screwed. It's like Big Brother effect. You can't ever beat up your big brother. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Austin could. I will always be the. I will always be the weakest Smith. <laughs> That, that and all of them have trained and one's a yeah. cop. One's a cop and <laughs> Josh is one of the baddest men on the planet. But Well, just to clarify, I can beat up my big brother. Yeah. Yeah. There's an exception to every rule. Yeah, yeah, you you train for that, though. <laughs> you train for that. That's like, I'll be able to beat up my dad as soon as he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> he's going, he is going down. I'm counting the days. But no, I mean, so 155, at least Poirier makes it exciting again. Anthony Pettis is good. I think... I don't know, you know, what is next for Anthony Pettis? What do you guys think? Train the other Pettis. Train Sergio. Train no, Sergio. I mean, Sergio is one fight away in. from a title shot, if not getting the next title shot at, at flyweight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pettis, he looked good for the first round and a half, as he has in almost all of his last fights. The first round and a half, he looks like he's the original Anthony Pettis that won the, the belt in the WEC, and... And it's like, all right, Pettis may and be in the back. UFC, and in the UFC, sir. Well, he did lose to Clay Guida, and then he had to come back and, and win it. Yep, but he yeah. did win it. He's, he did. He's too small for one fifty five, but he can't make one forty five. He can't make one forty five. So, I mean, I'm cheating. I'm looking at his record. He lost three in a row. One one lost one. That's, one one lost one. That's why I've got this. Don't call that cheating. We, I, we're all I, doing that. Yeah, I have time. the I, I have the the rankings right in front of me. That's the only reason I've got that. And then I've got his last record. So, so just so you know how bad when we do get it wrong, it's really bad because we, yeah, have, we have a computer right in front of us. But the, I mean, the dude, I feel like has more chaos in his life. Like he's got cars blowing up in his driveway, doesn't he? Like, yeah, it's he got robbed too, didn't he? Something yeah, weird. Yeah, he's. I mean, I want to say there's. He needs to figure. He's he will he's always be chaos. he will always be a big name. I think you start throwing him. But well, once you do that kick off the fence, yep, you, you can never go back from that, right? Well, One no moment that'll be stuck in. I mean, and he was a, he headlined, and he's not even ranked. And he freaking beat Henderson, right? Multiple times. Yeah, he, he beat, beat Henderson twice, twice. both for belts. Yep. Yeah, he knocked him or not knocked him out. He won the decision on that one of my favorite fights of all time. And then he also got him in the armbar. Yeah, it? Or arm the triangle. Him. He armbarred him. From from he was losing though. Yeah, he was in the he was in the bottom <laughs> position. He armbarred him from underneath. Yeah, he was losing for sure. Um, and yeah. he had, he come off that big long delay too, and he got the belt back. And then he lost to Alvarez, right? He lost to RDA. Then he lost to That's Alvarez. Right. Then he lost to Barbosa. Then he dropped weight. No, and beat I mean for Oliveira. the belt though. It was yeah. RDA. RDA. Yeah, I would just RDA say beat Alvarez. That's right. That what hurt him the most is life. He's got cars blowing up. <laughs> He's got injuries. What's this car blowing up? I've never heard this. It started on let's, fire. Let's look it up. I swear that was him. Maybe if it's not, it's, it makes me look pretty stupid. But I'm pretty sure he's had cars. No, it doesn't because no one started no, 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 Started on fire twice. Is somebody else? Three cars lit on fire at Anthony Showtime Pettis' home. What the October. Hell? This is a year ago, but yeah. Yeah. So What's that matter? <laughs> three, three cars even, not just the, one. The reason it matters is because. No, no, I mean. Well, it doesn't matter. It was a year ago. Yeah, that's what he's, he's, he's <laughs> calling me out, not you. Out. That's what we do on the show. I say something. He's like, "What is that? What do you mean? What is this? Is this the rival of Wheaties that is mad? Like, why are yeah. why are his cars getting lit on the fire? The Kellogg family showed up. They were, they were pissed. It doesn't matter what it is, but yeah. there's something in his universe that is not aligned with happiness. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm, my guess is an ex girlfriend or something, but 
Um, <laughs> what? It, you can't, it's hard to stay focused at that level, right? When you're up at that level, we're talking about just like millimeters of, of what causes and changes the difference. And this is going to sound weird, but ever since he fought Melendez, I thought he looked different. Everything about him just looked. He didn't different. look good in the the Henderson fight. Like he didn't when he look came good off in the that Henderson delay, fight, yeah. he looked like he was going to lose, and then he just pulled it off. And then he he beat Melendez in a really boring fight, and then he lost the RDA. And I had been saying since that time I didn't think RDA was that great. And then RDA did looked really good for the next like three fights, and then hasn't looked that great since. I mean, he's a great fighter, mm-hmm. top of the top, but like I've never been that sold on RDA, and I think that's more me. Than his pedigree because he has beat the top of the top, right. but I mean you've pounded that drum on this. Before. Oh yeah, man, you loved RDA. No, I've Come never liked RDA. Listening. I've never liked because we always looked at, said he looked like Ezra Castleton. Where I'm going back and listening, you were pounding the drum forever. No, 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 no. So he I got out wrestled by Alvarez. He got out struck by Bar- Barbosa. He dropped weight, beat Oliveira, and then immediately got a title fight and locks him at Max Holloway, which makes it look a little bit better. Because Max Holloway is now the champion of that. Uh-huh. He beat Jim Miller, which isn't that big because Joe Lozon just lost. But it, it wasn't that great of a fight. And then he lost to Poirier. But Poirier, I mean, Poirier out of everybody, I think, is the and Max Holloway. Those are two big fights. So if, you're, if it were me and I'm Sean Shelby, I just pick any fight that I think is a, a big fight name-wise. Pettis versus Kevin Lee, I think, is a great fight. Because I think it sells a ton of tickets. I say Kevin Lee versus Poirier. I think Pettis and Johnson would be fun. Pettis versus Johnson mm. would be good. Michael Chiesa versus And I feel like Johnson the size doesn't really matter because Johnson's a tad undersized, I feel like. like that, he's fast as hell and he's strong. But I feel like that's maybe a little bit better fight for Pettis. Right? Pettis versus Diaz, even though Diaz won't take it because he's not making three mil. Yeah, Diaz will only take McGregor from there on out. I don't think Diaz will fight at 155 again. I think he's at, just, like, I, I would be surprised. I, I as soon as McGregor moved up to 155, I was like, he'll never fight at 145 again. He just, you don't cut weight when you're a cabillionaire. You just don't. Yeah, not <laughs> well, but, but Especially McGregor when you know you can make it higher. <laughs> McGregor said that it would have to be 155 for number three. And I, I don't know. I'll be surprised if that fight happens at 155. I think this is actually one of the smartest things Nate Diaz has ever done, holding out. Yeah, it's like the Pacquiao Mayweather. Draw it out. Who cares if it's past its prime? Like, you're still going to do way better. You'll figure something out. And it's they always play back the film. Mm-hmm. Everybody remember. Yeah. I'm sure the only person that sees him is his brother, his training partners, and his weed dealer. <laughs> I think that's it. Or his, his dispensary, right? Because California <laughs> yeah, is legal. Yeah, he doesn't have a dealer. He just goes down and, and buys it from the dispensary. It's legal by the commission now, too, I think, is what I heard. Yeah, I know that... Uh, the NBA is trying to legalize it, not legalize it, but remove it from their banned substances list. So, good. I mean, it's one of those things. It's definitely not going to help anybody. So, not a performance-enhancing drug by any means. Um, And so, yeah, that's Poirier. Poirier, I think Gaethje or Alvarez, Kevin Lee, and if he's not – as soon as he gets rid of his freaking staph infection, how dare he walk in there with a staph infection and fight? That's ridiculous and disgusting. Um. Uh, what was I going to say? Frankie Edgar pulling out of the so uh, Max Holloway fight. Are you guys happy about Jose Aldo getting the rematch? No. Or he who from, would you rather see? He went from one of my favorite to, yeah, he probably doesn't. I don't want him to see fight for the title again. Like he just bad attitude. But I think he actually could win it back. I'm not. I'm not 100 100 percent sold on Jose Aldo's done by any means. Would but. you Would you rather see that over Swanson or Ortega though? Because those are the two other options. 
I hate rematches right off the bat, but I don't, I don't know. I think they should redo that whole fight card that just happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think Diego Sanchez agrees no, with you. No, no, no. The one that's 217. <laughs> yeah, oh, 217. So I got you. Well, it's too bad because Bisbing's already booked. Yeah, I was I was looking at poor uh, I was looking at poor Diego Sanchez and like I don't know if they should do that one again. He may actually die this time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Jose's a man. He was the king for forever, and I people we're fast to forget. Mm-hmm. We are. Um, what have yeah. you done for me lately, man? Yeah. And granted, if this one doesn't go right. I'll kind of be like, yeah, I think we're Diego Sanchez in it now. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm down with it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it based on the other people he has to fight. I mean, the fact that Conor McGregor's name even came up was kind of a joke to me. That that seemed like it was just trying to get people to to get reinvested in this in this coming up card. You've got Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, who just pulled out, Ricardo Lamas, who who's lost to all three of those. Or Lamas was supposed to fight Jose Aldo, right? Yeah, he was. And uh-huh. then that so jo, uh, Jose got pulled from that card. Swanson, Chun Sung Jung. So I mean, the Korean zombie, and the, yeah, the Korean zombie, and then Brian Ortega. I love him, and then Yair Rodriguez, who just got crushed by Frankie Edgar. So really, there wasn't a ton of options. It really was Brian Ortega or Cub Swanson, and Swanson hasn't looked. I mean, he's looked good, but when you go five rounds with he good Adam here. Lobov, yeah, he didn't look good. He looked great against Adam Lobov, but it was it was old T Rex arms, so there wasn't um, much he could do about it. I don't know. Uh, I don't care. Like I watch it. I'm, it, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm like I like both the fighters, but I don't love rematches immediately. But it it is what it is. It's what we've got. Um, I got, so I got another one for you. What? Keep going though. What? Because I was going to move on. Anderson to, Silva. Yeah. Pissing Anderson hot Silva again. Yes. That's amazing. Do you have any updates on that? I just know he pissed hot, and that's it. I have no idea. All I do every time that I see a Brazilian pings, it's just I get on the phone with Danny. And it's just immediately, we just got to start talking about how Brazilians cannot stay away from performance-enhancing drugs and how much I love it. It's amazing. Uh, I would like to see what he – I mean, it's out of comp- – technically, it's in competition because he's supposed to fight in like two weeks, right? Seven days, something like that? I don't know. Because I know that Bisbing stepped in. Yep. And they're saying, I believe it was on seven days' notice. Which this, is ooh, abs- I don't like that fight for Bisbing. No, neither do this I. This is like the Cerrone Colorado turnaround going up against a very scary opponent. This is like the Jorge Masvidal Cerrone fight. I think Gaslam beats Bisbing. I think Gaslam is really, really underrated, especially by me. And Wait, is Gaslam the one that can't make weight. He's the yep. wrestler, Ultimate Fighter. Yes. Okay. He's new, new Anthony Rumble Johnson. We'll the, see him at heavyweight uh, in like seven years. The guy that I always want to lose but wins every time, and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? One of these days, I'm gonna have to just start like liking him a little bit more. They've got Bisbee with the belt, um, stand on the uh, in the fight card <laughs> picture. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, so it's it's being with the belt against at number two against Ke- Kelvin Gastelum. So maybe they just didn't give it to GSP at at one eighty five. They're like, no, you're not going to fight at one eighty five again. Then we're not giving you the belt. It's still Bisbeings. The fight that he was fighting Anderson Silva to begin with was stupid. Personally, Gastelum. Yeah. Why is that? Because Anderson's way too cool for Gastelum. I can agree with that, but. Gaslam was going on the legendary ass kicking tour where he just beat Vitor Belfort and he was going to beat Anderson Silva. Probably. And so, like I said, I don't like Gaslam either, but I also want people like Vitor Belfort to retire. That and kid, having though, someone... Gaslam, though, what a crazy. Like, he, he's got to be. I wish we could go back and look at how he was uh, bad against. Uh, like, I bet he was an underdog 
in 99% of his fights. Like, oh, starting yeah. off no, in the Ultimate is. Fighter, he was. His, his Vitor Everybody Belfort was... fight was the first one. You're 100% correct. His Vitor Belfort fight was the first fight that he was a favorite. N- a favorite. Yeah, that's crazy. Uriah yeah. Hall is when he started with the Ultimate Fighter. He was an underdog. Johnny Johnny Hendricks, he was an underdog. No Magni, he actually lost to. I'm pretty sure he was an underdog. Tim Kennedy, I don't know if he's an underdog. No, I think Kennedy. he had Tim Kennedy because he was coming off a huge layoff. And then Belfort, and then he lost to Weidman. It's a trap fight for Bisbing, but I don't think he cares at this point because he just lost his belt. So, and I, I know he, I think he knows he's not getting the rematch that he wants. But I think he's gonna. I think he was ready to retire. The thing that I like about Bisbing is that he does step in. I don't know how he, he well, passed yeah, the commission after doing that. This. this is the first time he's ever done. No, he this, got right? the belt against Rockle yeah, at Rockle seven days' notice. Well, yeah, you step in for the title fight. <laughs> no, that's, he's that's a favor to him. That's not like oh, Bisbing's a big dude. It's like dude, you fight for the title. So you don't like Bisbing? We've got that. We've got nobody that likes Bisbing. I like Bisbing. Why? I love Bisbing. You're a nobody. Uh, I am a nobody. <laughs> not I you. Am. He's talking about Bisbing. Oh. <laughs> And you for Ripper. Listen, Bisbing's the biggest dick in MMA history. Uh, yes. Yes, he is. And not in a way that Kel Sutton did it. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. My, he, well, kind of. He tried. But, like, Michael Bisbing has been a fight from the title his entire career. And so for him to step in with nothing to lose on seven days' notice against Rockhold, who had already beat him, and to knock him out cold was, was one of cold. the greatest things ever. If I liked him, I'd agree with you. Now, one year later, when he finally fought again, fighting GSP, GSP knew he could beat Bisbing, and he came back at 185 only to fight Bisbing. And then the, the, the post-fight interview when he was like, I came to 185 to fight Michael because, well, I knew I could win. <laughs> it's like, well, great. Like, he's like, I want to go back to 170 really bad. It's like, okay. Because he doesn't want to fight Whitaker, man. Who wants to fight Whitaker right now? He beat Yoel Romero and Jacques Ray Souza. Yeah. Of course you want to go back to 170. Yeah. Um, Last thing we'll talk about because we're we're peeking over the hour. All right, we did it. We, we did it. it. The McGregor slap. You oh. See this? oh, yeah. I don't know what you do because Jason High, who was the last person to touch a referee. So for those that don't know, let's back up because a lot of people don't watch Bellator, but you've probably seen it by now. Uh, there's a Coach Kavanaugh uh, fighter, the one on the Bellator, I believe, undercard, or it could have been the main card. Who cares? Um, Conor McGregor got super excited. Went to scale the, the fence, and which which referee was it? Mark Goddard. Right, yeah. Mark Goddard tried to prevent him from getting in the ring, which makes sense, right? You're not supposed to scale from the outside in. So Conor McGregor does a little faint kick at him to basically try and get him off of him. Somehow gets in the ring again, and when he gets in, Mark Goddard tells him to get out. He shoves Mark Goddard and, like, starts jawing at him like he's going to fight him right there in the ring. They finally get him separated. <laughs> Connor goes at him again for whatever reason, and then they get him out of the ring. The worst part is, is uh, we should have we started with this. It was yeah, Redmond was on the ground and they're fighting over him, and then he gets out of the cage and starts running around, pushes a ref mm. or slaps him or something like that. Then jumps back on the cage and slaps the ref in the face. And yeah. I'll tell you what happens. What you do if you're the UFC? Nothing. Nothing. You say it happened at Bellator, it happened in Ireland. You act like it never happened. Or you give him some kind of fine. But last time this happened, which was Jason High, which was in the UFC, and I believe that they stopped the fight and he didn't think that they should, so he shoved the ref, I believe, and he got cut. Dana White was like, I didn't see it. It doesn't matter. If you touch a ref, you're done. You do not touch a ref. He's absolutely done. Be the best thing that ever happened to Gregor is get released from the UFC. 
Think of the money he'd make with yeah. the UFC. Mm. He could go he could go to Bellator and with Viacom, that's what I told my brother Sean, who's like the biggest Conor McGregor fan there is. I was like, he could leave and he could go to Viacom, who has nothing but money with MTV and Spike and whatever else, and build that entire promotion himself and become a partner and everybody's leaving and jumping ship and going to Bellator anyway. So Conor McGregor gets involved, nobody's gonna stay with the UFC. But that's not what's going to happen. UFC's not going to care. But the commission's going to, right? The commission's going to. Somebody's got to do something. The I closest mean, thing that, to this is with the Diaz. Uh, who Jason Miller. Mayhem, Mayhem Miller. Miller. Yeah. It was the Jake Shields fight, right? That's what I feel like yep. it's more like is, is that situation. Where it's, where but that wasn't a ref. They, start, they started <laughs> fighting in the ring, which is like, yes, it's bad. I mean, they both did cut, get cut from the UFC when it was uh, Sean Shirk and Nick Diaz, I believe, that fought in the, the hospital. Or maybe it was Lawler. Nick Riggs, Diaz got a Riggs and Diaz. Was it Riggs and Diaz? That's, that's what it was. And they both got cut after that. And so that's why they both went over to Strike Force at that time. So it's they've been eerily quiet. I mean, it's been almost what four days? No, it's been three days now. Four days. Yeah, Friday. Night. Happened Friday afternoon. Yeah, so three days, and they haven't said a word. And it happened like early Friday because mm. yeah. I was at work when it happened. Mm. It's amazing, and nothing's gonna happen. Oh, he'll get a slap on the He'll get a fine, just like when he threw the water. But, yeah, I, I mean, let's put a little bit of perspective. It wasn't like McGregor was actually trying to physically assault him. He was just being McGregor's crazy. So. Right. You, you put perspective on it, but, like, you his, have to set a precedent. You can't, you can't like, because anybody's going to feel like they can I'm hit the I'm too big rest. of a pro wrestling fan to care. His, his, <laughs> his facade is becoming who he really is, and that's what I worry about. Where I'm the big, like, that's not really who Connor is. It's just a farce. It's just his, the face he puts on to sell tickets. He's really a good dude. And then something like this happens, and I'm like, uh, that's some blurred lines right there. He might just become a huge prick. Well, I mean, it happens with Maul, right? Mike Tyson. Anybody that yeah. gets that. Big, John Jones. Gets that crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Hulk Hogan. McGregor's McGregor's. <laughs> Interesting dude, because if you watch a one-on-one interview with him, you're like, "Man, I really yeah. love this guy." And then you see him like in a in like a presser where there's lots of people watching, and he's like, "What kind of dick is this?" Yeah. So that's I go back and forth on all the time, but it's just gonna add to his nostalgia versus being any negative. Yep, it's gonna sell more tickets to his next fight, and that was the most eyes Bellator's ever got on one of their cards is Conor McGregor getting in the ring. Did you see what Mike Goldberg tweeted about it? It's fantastic. I got to call Conor McGregor's first fight in the Bellator in the Bellator ring. <laughs> Goldberg's amazing. <laughs> he's a good dude. I don't like him announcing, but he's amazing. He does he brought a lot of more uh credibility to to Bellator. I mean, they really didn't I mean, they were bringing in like drunk Mike Tyson beforehand, so I I'm glad that they've got Mike Goldberg. He brought more credibility. You watch, the, you watch the cards? Yeah. Really? When Conor McGregor jumps in the ring and shoves a rap. <laughs> you watch that? Yeah. You didn't watch it on streamable after? Uh, no. Eh, it was actually on MMA Junkie because they, they streamed it straight after. Where I did they, actually try and watch the fight. Mm-hmm. I, I watched it enough mm-hmm. and Pitbull's out, man. There's a lot of injuries right now. It's kind of kind of sad. But with that, we will wrap it up. Uh, Race, tell us what day and time again that you're fighting. So November 25th, HBO's shown it. I don't think I'll be on the televised portion but HBO has watched the card what well, do you think it'll be online or anything or do you think it'll be televised anywhere no I think I think you can if you go to the main event they're the promoter I think they'll do the undercard so 
so they have a streamer there that we can watch it on. So yeah, so everyone go watch. You'll be at, most likely at work five o'clock hour. You're not working anyway. You might as well turn on the fights. Is and it watch Saturday? Your computer. Saturday night. Ah, yeah. uh, you won't be at work. Well, you might be. I won't be. My wife will be, which means I'll be watching. There you go. There it is. Thank you, man, for coming on. We really Thanks appreciate it. Thanks, Race. And uh, you're, you're invited on any time. So after the fight, we'd love to have you back on and, and discuss the whole the whole shebang. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to tell all your friends. Like, subscribe. Hey. Bye. Bye.